Volume 9, Chapter 11 of Cecilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Cecilia, Memoirs of an Heiress by Frances Burney. Volume 9, Chapter 11 An Enterprise. Cecilia now had no time for afterthoughts or anxious repentance since notwithstanding the hurry of her spirits and the confusion of her mind she had too much real business to yield to pensive indulgence averse to all falsehood she invented none upon this occasion she merely told her guests she was summoned to london upon an affair of importance and though she saw their curiosity not being at liberty to satisfy it with the truth she attempted not to appease it by fiction but quietly left it to its common fare conjecture she would gladly have made Henrietta the companion of her journey, but Henrietta was the last to whom that journey could give pleasure. She only, therefore, took her maid in the chaise and attended by one servant on horseback. At six o'clock the next morning, she quitted her mansion to enter into an engagement by which soon she was to resign it forever. Disinterested as she was, she considered her situation as peculiarly perverse, that from the time of her coming to a fortune which most others regarded as enviable she had been a stranger to peace a fruitless seeker of happiness a dupe to the fraudulent and a prey to the needy the little comfort she had received had been merely from dispensing it and now only had she any chance of being happy herself when upon the point of relinquishing what all others built their happiness upon obtaining these reflections only gave way to others still more disagreeable she was now a second time engaged in a transaction she could not approve and suffering the whole peace of her future life to hang upon an action dark private and imprudent an action by which the liberal kindness of her late uncle would be annulled by which the father of her intended husband would be disobeyed and which already in a similar instance had brought her to affliction and disgrace these melancholy thoughts haunted her during the whole journey, and though the assurance of Mrs. Deville's approbation was some relief to her uneasiness, she involuntarily prepared herself for meeting new mortifications, and was tormented with an apprehension that this second attempt made her merit them. She drove immediately by the previous direction of Deville to a lodging-house in Abermill Street, which he had taken care to have prepared for her reception. She then sent for a chair and went to Mrs. Deville's. Her being seen by the servants of that house was not very important, as their master was soon to be acquainted with the real motive of her journey. She was shown into a parlor while Mrs. Deville was informed of her arrival, and there flown to by Deville with the most grateful eagerness. Yet she saw in this countenance that all was not well, and heard upon inquiry that his mother was considerably worse. Extremely shocked by this intelligence, she already began to lament her unfortunate enterprise. Deville struggled by exerting his own spirits to restore hers, but forced gaiety is never exhilarating, and, full of care and anxiety, he was ill able to appear sprightly and easy. They were soon summoned upstairs into the apartment of Mrs. Deville, who was lying upon a couch, pale, weak, and much altered. Deville led the way, saying, "'Here, madame,' comes one whose sight will bring peace and pleasure to you. 
this indeed cried mrs deville half rising and embracing her is the form in which they are most welcome to me virtuous noble cecilia what honour you do my son with what joy should i ever recover shall i assist him in paying the gratitude he owes you cecilia grieved at her situation and affected by her kindness could only answer with her tears which however were not shed alone for deville's eyes were full as he passionately exclaimed this this is the sight my heart has thus long desired the wife of my choice taken to the bosom of the parent i revere be yet but well my beloved mother and i will be thankful for every calamity that has led to sweet a conclusion content yourself however my son with one of us cried mrs deville smiling and content yourself if you can though your hard lot should make that one this creature of full bloom health and youth ah my love added she more seriously in addressing the still weeping cecilia should now mortimer in losing me lose those cares by which alone for some months past my life had been rendered tolerable how peaceably shall i resign him to one so able to recompense his filial patience and services this was not a speech to stop the tears of cecilia though such warmth of approbation quieted her conscientious scruples Deville now earnestly interfered he told her that his mother had been ordered not to talk or exert herself and entreated her to be composed and his mother to be silent be it your business then said mrs Deville more gaily to find us entertainment we will promise to be very still if you will take that trouble upon yourself i will not answer he be rallied from my purpose if i cannot entertain it will be something to weary you for that may incline you to take rest which will be answering a better purpose mortimer returned she is this the ingenuity of duty or of love and which are you just now thinking of my health or a conversation uninterrupted with miss beverley perhaps a little of both said he cheerfully though colouring but you rather meant it should pass said mrs Deville. you were only thinking of me i have always observed that where one scheme answers two purposes the ostensive is never the purpose most at heart why is it but common prudence answered Deville, to feel our way a little before we mention what we most wish and so cast the hazard of the refusal upon something rather less important admirably settled cried mrs Deville. so my rest is but to prove miss beverley's disturbance well it is only anticipating our future way of life when her disturbance in taking the management of you to herself will of course prove my rest she then quietly reposed herself and Deville discoursed with cecilia upon their future plans hopes and actions he meant to set off from the church door to Deville castle to acquaint his father with his marriage and then to return instantly to london there he entreated cecilia to stay with his mother that finding them both together he might not exhaust her patience by making his parting visit occasion another journey to suffolk but here cecilia resolutely opposed him saying her only chance to escape discovery was going instantly to her own house and representing so earnestly her desire that their marriage should be unknown till his return to england upon a thousand motives of delicacy propriety and fearfulness that the obligation he owed already to a compliance which he saw grew more and more reluctant 
restrained him both in gratitude and pity from persecuting her further. Neither would she consent to seeing him in Suffolk, which could but delay his mother's journey and expose her to unnecessary suspicions. She promised, however, to write to him often, and as, from his mother's weakness, he must travel very slowly, she took a plan of his route and engaged that he should find a letter from her at every great town. The bond which he had already had altered, he insisted upon leaving in her own custody, averse to applying to Mr. Mockton, whose behavior to him had before given him disgust, and in whom Cecilia herself no longer wished to confide. He had again applied to the same lawyer, Mr. Singleton, to give her away, for though to his secrecy he had no tie, he had still less to any entire stranger. Mrs. Deville was too ill to attend them to church, nor would Deville have desired from her such absolute defiance of his father. Cecilia now gave another sigh to her departed friend, Mrs. Charlton, whose presence upon this awful occasion would else again have soothed and supported her. She had no female friend in whom she could rely, but feeling a repugnance invincible to being accompanied only by men, she accepted the attendance of Mrs. Deville's own woman, who had lived many years in the family, and was in high favor and confidence of her lady. The arrangement of these and other articles, with occasional interruptions from Mrs. Deville, fully employed the evening. Deville would not trust again to meeting her at the church, but begged her to send out her servants between seven and eight o'clock in the morning, at which time he would himself call for her with a chair. She went away early, that Mrs. Deville might go to rest, and it was mutually agreed that they should risk no meeting the next day. Deville conjured them to part with firmness and cheerfulness, and Cecilia, fearing her own emotion, would have retired without bidding her adieu. But Mrs. Deville, calling after her, said, Take with you my blessing, and tenderly embracing her, added, My son, as my chief nurse, claims a prescriptive right to govern me, but I will break from his control to tell my sweet Cecilia what ease and what delight she has already given to my mind. My best hope of recovery is founded on the pleasure I anticipate to witnessing your mutual happiness. But should my illness prove fatal, and that felicity be denied me, my greatest earthly care is already removed by the security I feel of Mortimer's future peace. Take with you, then, my blessing, for you are become one to me, long daughter of my affection, now wife of my darling son. Love her, Mortimer, as she merits, and cherish her with tenderest gratitude. Banish, sweetest Cecilia, every apprehension that oppresses you, and receive in Mortimer Deville a husband that will revere your virtues and dignify your choice. She then embraced her again, and seeing that her heart was too full for speech, suffered her to go without making any answer. Deville attended her to her chair, scarce less moved than herself, and found only opportunity to entreat her punctuality the next morning. She had indeed no inclination to fail in her appointment or risk the repetition of scenes so affecting or situations so alarming. Mrs. Deville's full approbation somewhat restored to her own, but nothing could remove the fearful anxiety which still privately tormented her with the expectations of another disappointment. 
the next morning she arose with the light and calling all her courage to her aid determined to consider this day as decisive of her destiny with regard to Deville, and rejoicing that at least all suspense would be over to support herself with fortitude be that destiny what it might at the appointed time she sent her maid to visit mrs hill and gave some errands to her man that carried him to a distant part of the town but she charged them both to return to the lodgings by nine o'clock at which hour she ordered a chaise for returning into the country Deville, who was impatiently watching for their quitting the house only waited till they were out of sight to present himself at the door he was shown into a parlour which she instantly attended him and being told that the clergyman mr singleton and mrs Deville's woman were already in the church she gave him her hand in silence and he led her to the chair the calmness of stifled hope had now taken place in cecilia of quick sensations and alarm occupied with a firm belief she should never be the wife of Deville, she only waited with a desperate sort of patience to see when and by whom she was next to be parted from him when they arrived near the church Deville stopped the chair he handed cecilia out of it and discharging the chairman conducted her into the church he was surprised himself at her composure but earnestly wishing it to last took care not to say to her a word that should make any answer from her necessary he gave her as before to mr singleton secretly praying that not as before she might be given him in vain mrs Deville's woman attended her the clergyman was ready and they all proceeded to the altar the ceremony was begun cecilia rather mechanically than with consciousness appearing to listen to but at the words if any man can show any just cause why they may not lawfully be joined together Deville himself shook with terror lest some concealed person should again answer it and cecilia with a sort of steady dismay in her countenance cast her eyes round the church with no other view than that of seeing from what corner the prohibitor would start she looked however to no purpose no prohibitor appeared the ceremony was performed without any interruption and she received the thanks of Deville and the congratulations of the little set before the idea which had so strongly preoccupied her imagination was sufficiently removed from it to satisfy her she was really married then they went to the vestry where their business was not long and Deville again put cecilia into a chair which again he accompanied on foot her sensibility was now returned though still attended with strangeness and a sensation of incredulity but the sight of Deville at her lodgings contrary to their agreement wholly recovered her senses from the stupor which had dulled them he came however but to acknowledge how highly she had obliged him to see her himself restored to the animation natural to her character and give her a million of charges resulting from anxiety and tenderness and then fearing the return of her servants he quitted her and set out for Deville castle the amazement of cecilia was still unconquerable to be actually united with Deville, to be his with the full consent of his mother to have him hers beyond the power of his father 
she could not reconcile it with possibility she fancied it a dream but a dream from which she wished not to wake End of chapter eleven